from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Now make sure you say my name right. It's Latam. See, I talk about things other people are scared to talk about. What they're afraid to say. When I walk into the building, you know what they whisper to each other? Now you tell me, you want those pretty lies, or you ready for the ugly truth? Let's get it. This is Robert Littow from BlackSportsOnline.com, and you're listening to the Ugly Truth Podcast, where I tell you the truth about what's going on in the world of sports, entertainment, viral news, no lies around these parts, just the ugly truth. And since I've been busy and doing a lot of things, and this is the probably the only podcast that you're going to get this week, I'll be sure to do more during Super Bowl week. We're going to Pack this in with a lot of uh, what I like to call short takes on important topics. Short takes, important topics. Topic number one, that's because that's what everybody was talking about over the weekend. Refereeing in the NFL. It's time to tell you the truth of the matter, the ugly truth of the matter. The refs, overall, let's say, have to deal with, you know, 70, 80 plays, you know, a game, maybe, maybe 100 plays a game. The problem with being a ref is the same problem that you have as a kicker or field goal kicker. You're supposed to make your field goals and then nobody thinks about you after that. The only time that you get in trouble as a kicker and you get a lot of attention is when you miss a field goal. Then you end up on a Today Show. Same things with refs. If nothing bad happens, no one cares about the refs. But when, thing, when bad things happen, then you know it comes into play. It's magnified. It's more magnified, of course, in the playoffs. See, in the regular season... Bad stuff like this happens all the time. These type of calls missed or made happen all the time. But in the playoffs, everything is magnified because everyone's watching. It's different when I'm watching the Red Zone channel and there's 16 games going on and a random Jacksonville Texans game is decided because of a ref mistake, you know, it's going to get some run, but it's going to be soon forgotten. Just like a missed kick in week two is different than a missed kick in the wild card or the divisional playoffs or the championship games. You understand what I'm saying? So I say all that to say that I get it. If I was a Saints fan or a Chiefs fan, I would be upset about some things that happen. I get it, but that's just the way it is. That's just the way it works. And here's the problem. It's a, it's a slippery slope, right? Because you say, okay, if this call was made, and I'm talking specifically about the Saints game, Saints and Rams, then the game would be over. And that's factually true. Assuming that 
the kick, you know, the field goal to win the game was was made. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a lot of time left. It's unlikely the Rams would have been able to do anything. Not impossible, so I shouldn't maybe say a hundred percent factually, but like what is that? That win probability? The win probability if the call is made and it's first and ten and they only have one timeout, you know, the Saints win probability is like ninety-nine percent. That's all true, right? Here's the problem. Here's the slippery slope. Now you have to go back and realize that any and all plays throughout the game changes the trajectory of the game that gets it to the end. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I'm not trying to confuse you or anything, but each game has a flow, and each call, non call, changes the direction of the game. So if you, and it, you, can all, you have to go all the way back to the beginning because everything can change it right from the beginning. But even if you just look at the fourth quarter, and I get to the, the Chiefs and Pat, the Pats in a minute, if you even go to the fourth quarter of the, the Saints and Rams, let's assume they see the face mask on Jared Goff. And then that changes the trajectory of the game in the sense that, A, there's a new set of downs. There's more time that's going to be taken off the clock. Maybe different play calls and run. Maybe the, the Rams still just get a field goal. Maybe they get a touchdown. Maybe there's an interception. Like you, The trajectory would change if the call was made correctly. Therefore, changing what would have happened potentially at the end of the game. How Sean Payton would have called plays how they would have read the ball. Were they down by three or were they down by, if they would have got the the uh, touchdown, that would have been, uh, Saints would have been down by four. You see what I'm saying? All of that changes the trajectory of the game. So, yes, you can say that la- the last non-call cost them the game, but if you're a Rams fan, you can say, well, this cost us an opportunity to change the trajectory where we wouldn't even need it that last call. So look at it like this. Let's say the face mask is called. Rams score a touchdown. Then we go through the whole scenario again. That same penalty is called correctly, the pass interference. Well, now the Rams are up four. So the game's not over. Then now the Saints still have to score a touchdown. They just can't kick a field goal to win the game, they're behind now by four. So they got a score. And anything can happen on the net, you know, it was only at the 10-yard line. Who knows what would happen? So while that may be hard for fans to understand, it's true. Same thing with the Chiefs and the Pats. Absolutely the same thing. The Chiefs, there's two main. There was three things that the Chiefs could say. You know something that should have changed the tra- trajectory of the game. Now, first one. Well, yeah. Well, it was kind of almost four, or five actually. The first one was the muff punt. Okay. Did it hit his thumb? Did it hit you know Edelman's thumb? Yay or nay? <laughs> well. Was it enough to overturn it? Was it indisputable evidence? You go either way with it. 
once again, that changes the trajectory of the game. Other play. Patriots, you know, trying to drive, get in position to, to take the lead. Third, third down, second down, third down. Whatever it was, you get a rough of the passer penalty where he basically hit him on the 12 with his hand, nowhere near his neck or his head. First off, it new set it down. Second off, 15 yards. You don't know how that changes the trajectory of the game. The offsides. Now, the thing about that type of thing is this is, once again, a slippery slope. Quote, unquote, you're supposed to call the same thing that you would call in the first quarter that you would call in the fourth quarter. Just like when they say basketball, you're supposed to call, you know, it's a different first quarter, fourth quarter. You know, random game in December, January, supposed to be ref the same as the NBA Finals. We just know that's not true. If it's egregious, do you give them a warning? That's normally the proper protocol with offsides. If you are leaning, they tell, hey, your guy's leaning. He's a couple of inches over. Get back. Then one warning, they do it again, and get the flag. There was no warning. Flag came out immediately, well before the, inter- the, the interception had happened. I mean, you can't get on them. It's the right call. But offsides, at that point in the game, are you trying to do everything you can to make sure the Patriots win? There was a couple of reviews on catches. Like every little thing could change the trajectory of a game. In the end, those things are going to happen. There's going to be missed calls. And you got to play through it. You got to play through it. It's one thing to have a missed call. And like the game's over on the call. It, it, normally it never happens. There's normally more things happen. You know, the Saints, I get it. I'd be pissed too. I understand. But you after that, you had multiple opportunities to win the game after that. First off, it, you could have scored a touchdown on that drive, and that's it. Secondly, The Rams got the ball back, not with a ton of time, but they were you. The defense allowed them to get down the field. Lastly, you get the ball at overtime. Obviously, we know from the Patriots, you scored, it's over. You're at home. It's easier than what the Patriots did. You score, you 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 go to the Super Bowl, and you throw an interception. Guy hits a 57 yard field goal. I mean. How can you be mad at the Rams for that? Same thing with KC. You know, you can't even really blame them. The refs, I mean, you know, you can blame them for the, the, the roughing the passer and maybe not giving a warning, but several times you had the opportunity to stop them in overtime. It's not like it was, you know, sometimes I can say, okay, bam, you know, maybe you get hit with one long play and, you know, it's over before you know it. Yeah, no, you you had three third down and over nine yards to go. And each time you allowed them to convert. 
So I get it. Like, I get that you understand it, but you can't say you got to replay the game. And I saw, you know, where they made, made pass interference reviewable. But if you make pass interference reviewable, do you make roughing the passer, uh, targeting, face mask? You got to do all of this other stuff. Those are all 15-yard penalties, too. You can't just say pass interference, which is subjective. The thing about the, the crazy thing is pass interference is subjective. Face mask, you know, targeting is pretty easy to 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 tell. You know, when you look at it in slow motion, it's a slippery slope. All we can hope for is that there's no controversy in the Super Bowl, but you have to feel like the refs are on edge because everybody hates the refs. Right now, don't envy them going to uh, Atlanta for this game. While we're on this subject, we might as well go ahead and talk about this silliness that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. Just stop it. It's insulting. It's insulting to the elite receivers that aren't currently in the Hall of Fame, like, say, uh, Isaac Bruce, or even going back in the past, like Cliff Branch. It's insulting to the elite wide receivers that was were forced to wait multiple years before they got into the Hall of Fame, be it Michael Irvin, Terrell Owens, Marvin Harrison, Andre Reed, John Stallworth, Lynn Swan, Art Monk. It's insulting. It's very, very insulting. Tory Hope hasn't gotten in yet. That's insulting. Julian Edelman, right now, just within our league, Julian Edelman probably isn't a top. You would probably pick 20 wide receivers before you pick Julian Edelman. All the time, he's, I don't even think he's top 100. He may not even be top 200. Does he make clutch catches? Yeah, but that's because he has the opportunities. And why he has the opportunities? Because Tom Brady is his quarterback. And Bill Belichick is his coach. He's made some clutch catches in Super Bowls and big times. And, hey, he gets full credit for that. And if there was a Super Bowl Hall of Fame or playoff Hall of Fame, he'd be in it. But to say with a straight face, besides Jerry Rice, the only other wide receiver you would want in a playoff game is Julian Edelman. You smoking crack. Right now, honestly, if we put a, a lie detector test up to Tom Brady and said, hey, you can replace Julian Edelman with any wide receiver in the NFL right now to play in this Super Bowl. How many wide receivers do you think he goes through before he says, you know something, I keep Julian? It's going to take Julio Jones, going to take DeAndre Hopkins, you know, beef withstanding Antonio Brown. You still probably take OBJ in a Super Bowl. Right? You take, you, I mean, that's just right off the top of my head. I take Amari Cooper. Who else? I, I take, you know, the, the, the kid from the Packers. I mean, as, you got to go down a long list of wide receivers before you get to Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, Edelman is not even as good as Wes Welker. The only difference is Wes Welker is known for dropping a pass in the Super Bowl, and Julian Edelman is known for catching one. That's it. Really the only difference. You're telling me Golden Tate couldn't do the same thing that Julian Edelman does, but better with the Patriots? 
You're telling me they got Josh Gordon, you know, who obviously had issues because they felt so confident in Julian Edelman? Not to mention, he's cheap. And I know that doesn't have as much sway in football as it does in baseball, but still, it's there. I mean, we can't just forget that, you know, he missed the first four games of the season because of not weed. Now, granted, you know, it wasn't weed, but it also wasn't, you know, any type of domestic violence or anything. So good for him for that. But performing enhancing drugs, a drug that was so performing enhancing, they not even exactly sure what it was. So he on some next level stuff. Good player, clutch player. If you need, if it's third, if it's third and seven, and you need eight, he gonna get it for you. And Brady, you know, is is confident with him, but he's not. He's not a Hall of Famer. Stop, relax, relax. Now that we're done with that, let's let's talk about the truth about the the MAGA Catholic kids. A couple of things. First off, we have to be honest. The MAGA symbol, the Make America Great hat, it's a racist, white supremacist, white privilege symbol. You wear that hat, you say things like build a wall, uh, you mock minorities and immigrants and Muslims. It's a symbol that you want to make America. I always thought the again part is the real the real crux and issue of that. Not make America great, as in let's continue to get better. Let's make America great again, which my question was always, at what point are we referring to? Because throughout history, America hasn't been great to non-white people. So where are you trying to go back to? Are you trying to go back to Reaganomics? You're trying to go back to Katrina? You're trying to go back to Bush, the original? Are you trying to go back farther? Are you trying to go back to the 60s, before civil rights, 50s? We'll go back to slavery, 1800s? When exactly are you trying to go back to to make it great? Where was it? What era was that? And I'm pretty sure it wasn't an era for black people or Muslims or Mexicans. So it, it's a racist symbol. It's, it fits in line with how we are today as a society in the sense that in the 50s and 60s and before that, even though it was a racist country, people still didn't necessarily want to show their faces with it, with the violence that was attached to it. So they wore hoods, among other things. And if you see, if you if there's one thing that unfortunately is circling back around in 2019 now that you saw in 1959 was confrontation of very bold racists. 
I think that's really the main difference right now from our country, say, 10 years ago and now. See, before, like, say, during the Obama administration, racists were behind closed doors a lot. They hid behind their computers and the laptops and the phones. and They wasn't as outwardly racist. And I think as a country, it gave us a false sense of security that maybe racism wasn't as bad or profound as we thought it to be. That's why I thought Trump, in retrospect, was the perfect candidate for the races at the perfect time. Because politicians in general, even though some of them are very racist and have those white supremacist type of ways, they're still politicians. So they try to play both sides of the coin, so to speak. The real hardcore racist needed someone to come out and basically say, hey, I'm a, ra- I'm, a, I'm a rapist, I'm a racist, I'm a white supremacist, and I want to be the president. Now, us normal people thought, well, there's not enough people in our country like that, because once again, we we're naive, to elect someone as president. And maybe we got a little lackadaisical on the voting because of that. Because like this dude's a clown, he's a reality show person. He has no experience. He doesn't know what he's doing. We're not that dumb of a country. Well, we just proved everybody wrong. And now we're knee deep, you know, into it. We got a whole, what, like 18, 19 months to go. We're about half, we're about halfway through. We're about halfway through. We, We got through 2017 and some of that in 2018. I mean, we're about halfway through. So one thing that I talked about on social media was one of the things I was naive about was a lot of times you feel like when old old people are going to die, you know, people that were born in the 50s and 60s, so they were inherently racist. Felt like their kids maybe would do better, but we're finding out that's not the case. Instead, they're just breeding new races, and it's because in places like Covington, Kentucky, or wherever the hell they are, they don't have any culture, but they have money. See, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a you can have money without being culture. You can white people can make money. In a small location, thanks to generational wealth and opportunities, and never have to venture out too much past their comfort zone. So that's all they know. So these little racist white kids are the kids of racist white parents, but racist white parents that have influence and can afford to hire a PR firm when something bad happens. I saw the, the one kid's going to be on the Today Show. And I said, let's just think about this. Let's just think about this. If 
a black kid, say 15, 16, 17 years old, did something disrespectful to a older white woman, and it went viral on the internet. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding the viral nature of it, do you think the president of the United States would be inviting them to the White House? Do you think they would get exclusive interviews on on the Today Show? I think not. Saw a story today about a white guy pulling out a gun on a bunch of black teens. Bail was $5,000. Do you think if some black kids were caught on tape pointing a gun at a white woman and a white man, that their bail would be $5,000? You don't believe that. Even if you're racist, you don't believe that. You're probably like, yeah, I'm racist. I know. I would. I know. They wouldn't get away with that. I would, but they wouldn't. You know this. And this is the truth about MAGA. Yeah, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. We put ourselves in this situation. That's why, just from a casual observer, just curious to see what happens in 2020. Just curious. Because now it's a battle of what type of country we want to be. The races are locked in. They got them a guy. Now they feel like this is the guy that can allow us to be us. Nothing's going to happen to us if we're racist all the time. And then you got everybody else that says, you know something? We're, our country looks like fools. We're better than this. And that's what it's going to come down to. And I think it's going to be a lot closer. And what a lot of people think it really is going to depend on who is the running mate or who's the who's going to run for the Democratic Party. They better have somebody good because it, unless Trump quits because he doesn't really like the job or he gets indicted, <laughs> but I don't think his ego will let want to let go of the power. But he might quit because he can make more money not being the president, and maybe they won't try to arrest him. But if he decides to run again. Uh, it's going to be close. So before I get out of here, let me talk about the truth on one more thing. Uh, Mon Shepard was upset with me. And I get it. I get it. As a as an athlete or an entertainer, uh, you don't like seeing your name in the news for nefarious type of stuff. I think sometimes they take it personally. And like I said, I understand. I get it. But you also have to understand that your reputation, your previous dealings with things, your previous quotes, your previous interactions with things, that all goes into, you know, what these stories are. And if something is a trending topic on social media, it's newsworthy. I think sometimes athletes get a, they have the wrong idea in some cases. In some cases, there are websites that will completely make things up out of thin air, create stories that aren't there. I've never done that. I talk about things that people are talking about. 
I rarely give a strong opinion on them. I let you know the difference between rumors and facts. And then I let you read them. If they're debunked, if they are proven to be not true, I immediately let you know that. No problem at all. So the whole thing about Amon Shumper, the the porn star, and the baby, and the threesome, that's a story. If that's literally trending and other people are doing the stories, that's the actual story. But he got mad and, you know, threatened to sue and all of that. This lawyer hit me up and everything. The thing about, you know, defamation and stuff like that is what got, like, you remember Deadspin with the uh, the Hulk Hogan sex tape thing? So you, you know, they took a private piece of information and made it public. In this case, the, the sex tape. When you take public information and make it public, not defamation. If someone is saying something and they say it in a public form and you write about it, that's not defamation because it's in a public form. Meaning the difference is if someone told me that Amon Shepard got a porn star pregnant during a threesome, and I was the only one that knew. I was the only one that knew. And I reported that as fact. BSO sources say, you know, has a, a tip that my shepherd got such and such, you know, pregnant. If I'm the source, and I don't vet all of that, and it comes out to be not true, then there's an issue. If a bunch of people are tweeting about it, and I say, well, here are the tweets of the people that are tweeting about it, and what they believe it to be true, that's, that's two totally different things. Because I am not the one that has made it, that put the information out there. I'm not the one that made it a trending topic. It was already trending before. I am not the one that put it all together. And see, that's, it's, a, it's a fine line, but it's a big difference. If nobody was talking about it, it wasn't trending at all, and I broke the story, and then it became trending, then I am the sole responsible person for that information. Which I would never do, because I would need something factual to do something like that. If it's already out there in the public domain and it's out there as such within the public domain that people have to address it, then all I'm doing is reporting the news. That's like if if someone said, let's just take LeBron, for instance. Let's say there was 30,000 tweets that said, 
they saw LeBron at a club with some white lady, right? It's 30,000 tweets. Everybody's talking about it. LeBron, white woman, is the number one trending topic on Yahoo, on Google, on, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever. Everybody's Snapchatting about it. And then I write a story that says, the internet believes LeBron was with this white woman at this club. Here's what they're saying. It's not defamation. That's reporting the news. That's reporting the news. Like I said, there's a line, but it's reporting the news. And I was a little offended in the fact that just recently, Amon Shumper was in the news for being with some girl in an unrestricted area in the arena. And I helped debunk that for him. That was me. But you know, they don't remember stuff like that. They don't remember stuff like that. Now, again, he could sue. He could. That's his prerogative. I would would go to court on that because they really have no grounds for the lawsuit. I didn't make it up. I literally put it allegedly in there. I never accused him or said that he did anything. Anything. I said, this is how he's addressing the rumors. I would probably win the lawsuit and, and get all of my attorney's fees paid. But that's okay. Like I said, I understand. I understand. Just the fact that he acknowledged that he knew the girl would be beneficial for any type of lawsuit that came against Because now you can't even say that it was just totally baseless. People were basing it off a relationship. So I had justifiable cause in printing whatever I printed. If you could just sue for people, you know, saying what they seen in, on social media, then, you know, the states like the National Enquirer was out of business many years ago. Tweets. Instagram posts. As long as you follow up, there's no, there's no problem. It's, you know, if you follow up and say, hey, you know, this is what they're saying. They're saying it's not true. The internet detectives are wrong. I get it. And some people were asking me, you know, or he tweeted me directly. And because, I mean, I understand what they're doing in that particular case. See, when you tweet and you put it out there, you, you're trying to shame and embarrass whoever you're trying to do, which is fine. Like I said, I, I've been doing this for a long time. Stuff like that doesn't get to me anymore. I've talked to Amon Shump many times. I've done PR work for Tiana Taylor. They've asked me to help them with their shows and music videos and all of this other stuff. He could, there's a way he could have easily found me if he wanted to, but I get it. You want to put it out there. You want to get the retweets and the likes and put the pressure on and blame. You won't blame somebody. You won't, you won't blame me. Been 30 different stories about Amon Shepard and, you know, rumors. But, you know, just this day you want to 
You want to go at me? I, I understand. I got it. It's cool. It's cool. His lawyer wanted, you know. Even though the story was already edited, no problem. I edited. Here's your, here's your retraction. Here's what you said. No problem. If I offended you, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Amon. I'm sorry, Tiana Taylor. But if tomorrow something else comes up, you don't have to post it. I asked him this time since he, you know, he wants to play, you know, he wants to do it like that. I just asked him, hey, is this true or not? Got to answer my DM. That's what I, you know, that's what I'm going to start doing from now on. I'm going to DM the athletes. When I come across something like, hey, is this true? And if they say no, I'm going to say they had no comment. That's all I could do. No comment. That's just a day of the life. It's just a day of the life. Like I said, if I was ESPN, he probably wouldn't have did that, but it's all good. I have no ill will. I have no anger. I wasn't mad. I've learned not to engage. I got bigger things. I got to, you know, I'll try to take down white supremacists. I'm dealing with, you know, white dudes pulling guns on black kids. I'm not going to get, I'm not, I'm not, here's the thing. I'm not going to entertain other people when it's not beneficial to me. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not going to spend three hours going back and forth with Ahmad Shumpert for your entertainment. That's not beneficial to me. Not on a Monday. He wants to talk. His lawyer has my number. He can call. Just call me. See how I'm doing. We can talk. We can talk face to face, man to man. It's all good. No issues at all. None. So, that's the truth about that. It's all good. Just a day in the life. Day in the life. Like I said, you know, he's offended. My apologies. But if he wants to talk, not hard to find. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSO TV. Website is Black Sports Online. The podcast is The Ugly Truth. I'm supposed to tell you a little bit of truth about Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao, but you saw the fight. It is what it is. I'm out. <laughs>